successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show and online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show. I am your host Jason Grill. Thanks for listening today on 980 AM or if you're joining me via podcast. I greatly appreciate that uh, through iTunes or Stitcher or however you listen. Uh, also, you can find us at our website, realnationshow.com. Hope you're having a great week. Thanks for listening again today. We're going to have an awesome show. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk to a, a fellow uh, person who's in the media, but also someone who's been an entrepreneur as well and, and kind of uh, a unique story because he's not originally from here uh, and uh, has, has built a, a pretty big following here and has also worked uh, in the media broadcasting world in the, uh, on the national level. And so it's always fun to hear the perspectives of folks who uh, have, have come to Kansas City and who are working here now, but have also worked in other markets. Uh, today we are joined by Pete Mundo. He is a morning uh, show host and assistant program director at KCMO Radio. He's also the owner of Heartland College Sports. The website is heartlandcollegesports.com. He is on Twitter at Pete Mundo. And uh, we've been wanting to have him on just to talk about kind of uh, – the media in general, his background, sports, politics, you name it. Pete, welcome to the show. How are you today? Jason, it is great to be here. You mentioned Kansas City and, and the amount of uh, relationships I've been able to make that have, have meaning, people that have become friends. Uh, you're, you're right up there, man, and I appreciate all that you've done welcoming me to your city and this town, and, and I'm happy to call it home. Yeah, well, it's great to have you on. Uh, we met almost, gosh, must have been about two years ago, maybe now. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, time is so crazy right now. <laughs> um, you, so tell us about your background. I, I know you went to Villanova for college. Um, so you're an East Coast guy. Yeah. I grew up in New Jersey, um, went to Villanova, and did not in any way think I'd ever be in the broadcasting business. I did a little sports radio show on campus for fun on the weekends. That was more just a way to kill time um, and, you know, do something that was considered an extracurricular. But I never thought I'd do anything like this. I mean, I, I studied finance and real estate. I thought I'd do something like that. Um, and then the 2008 recession hit and I couldn't get a job. I, I couldn't get an internship. Finance and real estate weren't that uh Weren't that easy back then. <laughs> no, that was a bad time for, for finance and real estate. So I'm a young, you know, I'm a junior in college trying to uh, get into this business. And the only options I've got are like selling insurance. And I'm like, geez, that's just not up my alley. Uh, it's not my personality. It's not of any interest to me. So I said, well, let's see what this whole radio media thing's all about. So I got an internship uh, at ESPN radio in Philadelphia, you know, doing a couple of morning show shifts every week and waking up early and doing that whole thing. And I, I really fell in love with it. And I'm like, if I can't get a job uh, in what I thought I was going to be doing, I might as well follow this thing and, and kind of see where it takes me. Um, and that's, yeah, but that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good first gig. I mean, if you're into sports, I mean, most, I mean, I used to broadcast in my basement, uh, MUKU basketball games with my friends. Cause I wanted to do what you did. 
Um, but uh, just, you know, didn't didn't take that path in life. But, you know, like that's not bad in turning at ESPN. No, no, it was it was great. I mean, it was it was, you know, uh, Mike Missinelli was the big guy there. And, and and Stephen A. Smith, actually, that was back when Stephen A. Smith was kind of in no man's land. Remember, before first take. Stephen A. Smith was not like this multi-million dollar a year personality. He was well-known. People in the NBA community knew him. But he had hit a rough patch there. This was before Skip Bayless and first take where he was like out of work. So I'll never forget walking into the break room at ESPN Radio in Philadelphia and Stephen A. Smith's there getting a cup of coffee. Mm. And I'm like, what are you doing here? It's 5 a.m. Stephen A. Smith's walking in there. He's filling up his coffee. By the way, couldn't have been nicer, more humble, down to earth. And yeah. he's like, oh, I'm just trying to, you know, cut some tapes here and, and you know, basically just cut some audio for demos that he was trying to get around the people in the business. I mean, that was Stephen A. Smith like uh, 11 years ago now. It was, it was winter of 2009. And to think about how now you think about sports media personalities and he's number one or number two probably, depending on who you ask. Um, it's a weird business like that. It's a, it's a roller coaster business like that. But that's a moment that I look to and I'm like, holy cow, Stephen A. Smith's here just trying to cut demo tapes because he's looking for work. And now he's arguably the most popular sports media figure in America. So it's uh, it's really interesting how that works and how it plays out. And you you you, uh, you bounced around a little bit on the East Coast from different stations, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I was in the Lehigh Coast Valley. Yeah, I was in the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania doing some weekend board op, you know, entry-level stuff, making minimum wage. I did my own show in Long Island at a small community station out there. Uh, so I was driving back and forth 500 miles to get to and from where I needed to go, you know, making no money. But I figured I'd give it a year or two, see where it led. And then I, I finally got a break there after about a, a year out of school landing in Oklahoma at a very small station. But for me, it was a full-time job. And I was doing sports, doing news. It was my first introduction to being on air every day, doing something every day. And also my first introduction to the Midwest because I had really never been west of the Mississippi for anything outside of a trip to California as a kid. That was it for me. That sounds like all these new Long Island kids. Like you, you guys are just like, you think there's nothing else than Long Island <laughs> <laughs> or New York. I mean, that is truly like, it, it, you know, I listen to these talk shows and there's people from the Midwest who are like, what's in Missouri or what's in Kansas? I mean, it's funny. Like, it's not that much different, man. I it's mean, not. It's not. Now, this was different because I was in a small town of 10,000 people in uh, northwest Oklahoma by the Panhandle. So it was like the biggest town for an hour. So that was, I admit, that was rural living two and a half hours from Oklahoma City. But the people, I mean, the people were the best people in the world. I, just incredible. Here's this. 22-year-old, whatever I was, 22, I think, going to uh, you know rural Oklahoma as a New Jersey kid, and they just embraced me like I was one of their own. I mean, it, it really opened my eyes up to the Midwest, and, and I wanted to, at the time, not stay maybe there at that station, but I thought that was a part of the world where um, you know, my, my ideologies lined up, so to speak. And, and I liked the style, the pace, and then it wasn't meant to be, but I never forget when we were living in Oklahoma, we came up here to Kansas city for a, a concert. It was a Bruce Springsteen concert at the sprint center. And we were at power and light and we're downtown, we're hanging out. And it was the first time I was in KC and went to Arthur Bryant's. And I was like, this is a cool town. Um, <laughs> and, and I never thought I'd be working here and living here and, and raising my, my family here, but it's funny how life comes full circle like that. 
It totally is. You went from Oklahoma back to the East Coast, to New York, for CBS and then for Fox News. Am I right about that? Yeah, I did. And, and um, New York area, rural Oklahoma, back to New York area. And a lot of that was personal. The wife got an opportunity for a job that she really couldn't uh, pass up. And, and I told her, I said, I'm not, I'm not going back unless I get something that is on the air that is continuing my forward momentum from a professional standpoint. So it was the right move at the time. It has led to where I am today, which I wouldn't change for or trade for anything. Um, it opened up a lot of doors. It got me from sports to news, but it was certainly something where at the time I wasn't sure if it was the right move. I, I wasn't really ready to go back into that lion's den of New York, but it did work out, and it also made me realize how much I appreciated this part of the country, too. Did, your, uh, did you meet your wife out east or in Oklahoma? Uh, in Vill- at Villanova, actually. She's a, she's a Villanova grad as well. So she is a, she's she an East Coast move, girl. She did move to Oklahoma with you. So I mean. She did. She did. Without, <laughs> without a ring, without a ring, which I give her credit for. <laughs> Pete Mundo is my guest today. We're going to talk about a lot of interesting topics on the show today. He is on Twitter, at Pete Mundo. That's M-U-N-D-O. Uh, great guy, broadcaster here locally, uh, does uh, sports uh, online as well, and, and a lot of uh, political and trending topics here on his own radio show. We'll be right back on The Grill Nation Show on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. When I was young, I knew everything. Can I get down so I can do it? I like the way you work, kid. No DVD. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I am your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for listening on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast or at grillnationshow.com. You can connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill or at Grill Nation Show. Also available on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Search for my name, Jason Grill. Great show so far. Today we are joined by Pete Mundo. He has his own radio show in the mornings uh, from 6 to 10 a.m. on uh, 7 to 10 a.m. and 103.7 FM, I believe, if I'm, if I'm correct there, Pete. You are. He, uh, he talks a lot about politics, current events, local, national, federal, uh, excuse me, state, all kinds of different topics. He's also the owner of Heartland College Sports, which is a Big 12 uh, sports blog. Their website is heartlandcollegesports.com. Pete, we were talking about your progression back to Kansas City, but uh, you worked at, uh, let me get this right, CBS Radio, you were a sports anchor and host, uh, Sports Illustrated, a, a producer and college football analyst, and as an anchor fill-in host on Fox News Radio in New York City, all at the same time, or very similar times, you were doing all these things. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of that, that freelance hustle that you can do in New York easier than than say a Kansas City because you have so many major media conglomerates there but that's how a lot of people do it there in New York you freelance at a million places and you hope you get a break at one of them and you know there's some pros to that you get a you know you get to meet a lot of really neat people and cool people and and hopefully people that can help you along the way but it grinds on you. I mean, I spent the first couple of years doing um, – I would do an overnight shift at WFAN Sports Radio, midnight to 6 a.m. in the Saturday morning. Then at 8 p.m. on Saturday nights, I'd go to Bloomberg Radio, 8, to 2, 8 p. to 2 a. And then Sundays, I'd do Bloomberg again, 5 p. to 12 a. Um, so, I mean, I never had a weekend. I was doing overnight shifts all over the place, uh, and it was just crazy. And, you know, there would be some days I'd 
do a morning shift at Sports Illustrated, like six to three. I'd jump on a subway up to Midtown Manhattan and do a show on Fox News Radio that night. Uh, so, I mean, it was great, but I, I, I did it for five years and I could feel the burnout coming that last year. And I just felt like that break wasn't coming. And I also kind of started to get more interested in news and politics uh, and away from sports. And that's where I started doing more stuff for Fox and getting involved there and um, started hosting their night show on a semi-regular basis after Alan Combs died. Uh, he died shortly after the inauguration of Trump. So they had a, you know, they had a show there six to nine at night that I was filling in on a couple of days a week. Um, I thought I had a shot at that job and I didn't get it. They gave it to uh, Guy Benson and Marie Harf for a two person show and they were on TV. They had name recognition. That's okay. But for me, it was kind of a chance to take a step back and say, what am I going to do? And, uh, that's ultimately how I ended up being out here, and that was kind of that next progression. Wow! So that that is crazy. That schedule, I can't even imagine that. But you you did you did have the that that was a great addition to your resume. How how did you go about just quickly? How did you go about kind of lining all those positions up as a freelancer? I think that's interesting because we have a lot of you know entrepreneurial business type owners listening to this radio show. Yeah. Um, how, how did you do that? I mean, is that just networking or what was yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, you know, you hope somebody takes a meeting. So I started off in Bloomberg and CBS Radio, and then uh, they're owned by – or they were owned by CBS Radio. Now it's now it's Entercom. Um, but if they needed somebody at WFAN, which was the big sports station. So they say, hey, do some filling stuff overnight down here for us. Uh, that led then to – I'm trying to think. Then it was Sports Illustrated, which was somebody at WFAN. I knew, hey, we need a – college football producer guy over here. Can you work a couple days a week? Sure, absolutely. And then Fox News, um, uh, that started because they they had launched a uh, Sirius XM channel. They needed a sports guy to do the sports stuff. I had to leave my CBS job, at least one of the CBS jobs, because of a conflict of interest. And I said, my only ask, because they were pretty pinched for somebody, I said, can I at least get a shot at doing some news talk for you? because I started to get the news talk itch away from the sports talk itch and they agreed to it. So uh, it just kind of all snowballs. I mean, you know, as an entrepreneurial guy yourself, you know that Jason, you talk to everybody you can and you try to, you know, you try to return the favor as best you can. Well, we have a lot of similar interests and it's been hard sometimes for me to kind of, um, you know, people are like, you need more focus, but Hey, I like talking about sports. I like talking about, uh, political. I like talking about current events. I like talking, uh, you know, I like working on a lot of different projects, whether it's from the media relations standpoint to a government relations or public affairs standpoint. I mean, it's not a bad thing to be able to go on air, Pete, to talk about uh, an election, but also be able to go on air and talk about, <laughs> you know, the Big 12 championship. I mean, yeah. you, you, you've done it all. So you, mm-hmm. you, you kind of are more well-rounded. So that's, that's a really cool story about how you kind of are able to manage all that and kind of really kind of put it all into effort here. And then you, you moved back to Kansas city for, for the job in 2018. Uh, it looks like, uh, with seven ten, you know, cause you and tell us about that. I mean, you like Kansas city, you convinced your wife apparently to move back to the Midwest. That must yeah. not have been easy. Uh, well, no, it was, it was easier because here's the thing, Jason, you know, we spent five years there. Uh, you know, we bought a house in, in New Jersey, a town over from where I grew up. 
And, you know, for a while there, I thought that was going to be it. And I'd get a couple of breaks in New York and life would be great. But, you know, we were both making really good money and we're paying, you know, 12 grand a year in property taxes for an 1800 square foot house that's on a fifth of an acre and wondering where the heck our money's going. My wife's driving in, you know, New York every day or she was going to Westchester, New York every day. You know, she's paying tolls. I, I, I had a parking and, and every month I kept track of my parking uh, expenses and my toll expenses. And I mean, I was spending six, seven hundred dollars a month in parking and tolls, um, you know, so it just became a grind. And we start thinking about family and, and how we want our family structure to be. And it wasn't us running all over the place trying to make ends meet, despite the fact that we were both making really good money. So I identified a few cities I wanted to potentially look at and, and Dallas, Oklahoma City, Kansas City were, were on the list. And and this came up because, once again, somebody that I met in Dallas, who was a program director there, I reached out to him. He had an opening. I didn't get it. But he said, hey, we got a morning show in Kansas City and you'd be a perfect fit. And I said, where where do I go? Tell me where to go. Tell me how to get involved. And I will be there and I will do it. And I did a few fill-in test shows from New York, from WABC, because they were owned by the same company at the time, Cumulus. And I flew out here and and I'll never forget they flew out my wife too. And we're driving around the suburbs and checking things out. I said, uh, this is, I knew it was going to be good, but this has totally blown away my expectations. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Pete Mundo is with us. Now, Pete, you moved here and you lived in the city for a while for a member. So you kind of got the downtown feel because you, as you move from New York and you move here, it is a little slower, as you know, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on, but you still kind of have that urban at, at, uh, atmosphere. And I know that now you, you live in the suburbs and, you know, you, you probably have your white picket fence with your child and, you know, <laughs> and catch, you're playing catch in the backyard and whatnot. Um, but uh, but you, you made a transition. And I know that you, you served as the host. You did a lot of outward uh, facing events. I know you you, you, you uh, moderate a lot of things. Uh, essentially, you're always out and about. Uh, but you also now are an assistant program director. Mm-hmm. That is fairly recent. Um Another thing on your plate, you've obviously been able to juggle balls. What's that been like for you? Not only hosting a radio show at 6 a.m., but then also kind of more of the management side of things. Yeah, it was um, I, it was interesting. I didn't know. I, so I started off, and, and I should uh, just correct it. So I started off as the APD, and now I'm the program director. So it, it was it was a little bit of a shift. It wasn't a, a big shift, uh, but it was yeah, a little bit of a shift. LinkedIn page, Pete. I, I know. I know. I'm bad at that, Chief. <laughs> I got to get the LinkedIn updated. I appreciate People love that. on my radio show, and then and I bring that up, and then they, they do fix the LinkedIn right after. <laughs> it happens every week. So <laughs> I know I'm not the first guy to not update the LinkedIn in time. Um, so I will be switching that up here right when we end the show, Jason. So I appreciate okay. that. Uh, but yeah, it it it, it certainly adds to your plate because you know doing a. Uh, a talk show by yourself every day. I mean, listen, I'm not digging ditches. I'm blessed to do what I do, but there, there is a lot of prep that's that's tied to it all. So I do a lot of that the night before. That way I'm kind of ready to go. Uh, I'm not waking up at 2 a.m. to prepare a show because I got to be awake. You know, I, I, I don't take any naps. It's just not my thing. Uh, I, but I got all the corporate stuff to do when the show ends. So it does add to your plate, but it's like anything else. You know, you time your day out right, and um, you kind of get in a groove, and you get used to it. So, talk about that real quick, Pete. Talk about timing your day out when you have a six a.m. show. Uh, so basically, yeah, to me, it's it's wake up at four. Uh, you're in here a little before five. I'm cutting up all the audio highlights and clips that I want to use throughout the day. 
uh, you know, whether it's local clips from the, from Mayor Lucas or national stuff from Trump, whatever it is, cut up the audio clips I need between, you know, five and six, ready to go at six. I've got the whole show lined up the night before anyway, outside of getting all the audio clips. We're done at 10. And then it's kind of, you know, clock stuff, any other, you know, corporate reports that I need to do, usually 10 to 2, 2.30. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the times I try to find time to to do things like meet with people, you know, get lunches with people that I think are important to know what's going on on the ground uh, in Kansas City and any of the suburbs. You know, people like yourself and others that I, I, I think it's important for my job to talk to people uh, like yourself and others who have, first off, great knowledge, great perspective on the city, what's happening in the city and, and the area and the region and and keep up to date on that because that's all show prep. I mean, it may not it may not be a segment in the next day of, hey, I got lunch with Jason and we talked about X, Y, and Z, but there's a knowledge there that especially I felt it was important if I was going to make this my home and do this show well and do it right, it had to be part of the conversation. I had to do it. And um, it's also developed into relationships and friendships. So that's a big part of the day and the job, too. Pete Mundo is my guest uh, at Pete Mundo on Twitter and online. He's at PeteMundo.com at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. We got a lot to talk about on the next few segments. You're listening to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM and via podcast on iTunes. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show on 980 AM. It's great to be back with you today. I am your host, Jason Grill. I appreciate you joining us on the radio or on podcast or at our website, grillnationshow.com. Please connect with me on Twitter or on social media. Just search for Jason Grill. Always looking for great guests and great uh, supporters and uh, contributors, sponsors to the show. Pete Mundo has been my guest so far today. He is a radio show host here in Kansas City uh, at 7, 10 AM. In the mornings from 6 to 10, he also owns the Heartland College Sports, a independent Big 12 sports blog, heartlandcollegesports.com. Pete, tell us about that because you've kept that going. I know we've talked about that um, throughout the years. You, you've grown that website. I believe you had a podcast, videos, op-eds, all kinds of stuff on there at one point. So that, again, the website is heartlandcollegesports.com. What was the thinking behind that? and Is that still moving forward? Yeah. So when I was in Oklahoma, I, I fell in love. We, we did a lot of sports and news. So I, you know, call a Friday night lights game, uh, you know, Friday nights. And then I'd go down to Norman or Stillwater on Saturday, cover OU, OSU. And it was when all the conference realignment was happening. So, I mean, I know you remember that as a Mizzou guy, like it was yesterday, yeah. Jason. Uh, I can't believe that was eight years ago. I know. I know. It's crazy. So I really loved and, and bought into the big 12 college football And when I was back in New York and just trying to figure out, you know, something entrepreneurial to do, there were all these SEC blogs and some Big Ten stuff. But I was like, geez, there's really nothing for the Big 12. And I was still watching college football every Saturday. So I said, why don't I start this thing up just as, you know, a little website, see what I can do with it. I didn't have any, you know, uh, funding behind it. It was just me and, and, you know, my back pocket. 
And um, yeah, a few years later, here we are. I mean, you know, the podcast has done great uh, the last couple of years, just with, you know, tens of thousands of su- subscribers and listeners each month, especially during football season. And the website, same thing, is, has really done well. Uh, and it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of churning and burning. And, and to me, with the way the media landscape is as well, you know, I, I saw what the, the bar stools of the world were doing just as the most prominent example and said that that really is owning the content really seems like a, a way of the future. Not that old traditional media of radio or TV or going anywhere. They're not and they're still powerhouses. But I think owning content uh, does have value and there is an importance there. And you know, I'm so glad I kept doing it, too, because now every day I talk news and politics and, and current events more than sports. So this is kind of my sports outlet um, with the Big 12. And and now that I'm back in Big 12 country, especially, it's been great, you know, going to Iowa State last year and Texas and and just having a blast at some of these. K-State was there a couple, uh, a couple of times last year, too. So it's just been a lot of fun to to build this thing up and, and see it develop as it has. So you've got you're doing daily stories. I mean, you have a network now of contributors. How is that working out for you? Yeah, well, I started it off thinking like I would just get a bunch of college kids to write and and see how that worked. And it was a mess. It was a disaster. I thought I'd give them credit. You know, I mean, they're hungover. They forget what they're supposed to do. So I kind of tightened it up a little bit. Um, And I said, let me take, you know, try and try to find two, three, four guys uh, you know, pay them, get them involved, get them to buy in. And, and, you know, they were professionals too. So that was to me the better play. So I do a lot of the, the writing, uh, when I have time at, at night or, you know, later in the day, but if not, I've got about three, four contributors and then all the podcasting I handle on my own because as an audio radio guy, that's kind of my, my bread and butter. Um, and I do see the podcast space continuing to grow. I mean, every year it's gaining steam in terms of popularity in terms of advertising dollars. So uh, I think that that's a, a good place to be. It's a good long-term play, short and long-term play. Yeah, I, I, can, I tend to agree with you. Uh, so you uh, you get a lot of great guests on your show every day. Uh, well, you know, some people might think they're great. They're all politicians, a lot of them. So some <laughs> people might not think they're great. But you, you have, you know, you, you talk not only about, you know, what's going on in Congress or in the Capitol or at city hall, but also about kind of, you know, trending topics, I guess you would say, and it doesn't always have to be politics. Um, I don't think you'd be against having on a, uh, a celebrity of some sort, whether, whatever industry they're in or a newsmaker. Um, and then also for your sports, uh, you know, Heartland college sports, I, I know you've been to the media days and interviewed coaches of big 12 teams. I mean, what, what is your strategy? I know you have producers, but a lot of this, you, you know, you're, you're a hustler. Um, for, for landing really good guests. I mean, what, not, not that I seem to care. I'm just saying a lot of people listening, see your lineup every day and are probably like, Holy crap, Pete has on a U.S. Senator, a mayor, a, uh, some philanthropist that's yeah. donated millions of dollars. I mean, I can't even, there's so many guests. I mean, you, you really networked on the guests and having a lot of guests on your show. Yeah, I think it's a fine balance, right? I think like ultimately, um, I, I think that there's an element of people want to listen to to the host and they want to, of course, hear the host's opinions on the biggest topics of the day. But I think if then you can add a layer to that with good guests and, and quality guests, I mean, I, you you know this, Jason, I mean, you get pitches all the time from so and so, hey, you know, this is happening. Can you bring this person on? And 
I just, I don't bother with a guest unless I know they're going to add something for the audience because I think about it oftentimes as a listener. And I'm like, would I be interested in that interview? Leave myself out of it as the interviewer. Would it be a good interview? Would I want to hear from this person? And if the answer is no, I just, I don't bother. So, you know, on the daily radio show, I, I, I try not to go too guest heavy because I want to give time for callers and monologues and things like that. So I'll keep it to two or three over a four hour period. I think that's kind of a sweet spot, but you know, if the news cycle demands four, I'll, I'll do four. I don't have any problem doing it, but it's just, it's kind of what we talked about earlier with just making those connections and getting to know people and, and who can they introduce you to who might be a good guest. And then it's also, when you have these people on the air, even if you disagree with them, uh, you just give them a fair shake. I, I don't think that's hard. And I get accused of doing softball interviews with people all the time that may not be of the same uh, ideology as me. I mean, I have Mayor Lucas on all the time and we get along. We don't see eye to eye and everything, but he comes on every week because he knows he'll get a fair shake and I'm not going to uh, do any gotcha stuff. So I try to make sure that uh, my guests, regardless of what they think, whether it's sports or news and what I may think of things that they have done or said, they're going to get to express themselves to the audience because I really view that as as being an interview where the guest gets to explain their side. And then we can talk about the reaction to it after the fact, but that's their time to say what they think and why they believe it. Yeah, so you do do that, and then uh, you have no problem as a monologue uh, host either, right? I mean, you, you could talk for 30 minutes maybe, like Colin Cowherd if you needed to, right? Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, that guy, to his credit. Uh, by the way, a little tidbit, he is my most famous Twitter follower, Colin Cowherd. That's, uh, oh, wow. My most famous Twitter followers. I, I, I'd have to go through mine, but I've got I've got some of the Barstool guys and oh. Barstool that follow me, and um, you know some uh, probably some political people. You don't consider you you know every polit- political person now. So I mean, I'm assuming they're all like they're on your radio show all the time. So it's not as cool for you, but uh, yeah, it's cool no. For some people still. But I still I still like to brag about the coward thing because that is a guy who I don't I know I don't do sports radio anymore, but if you want to talk about somebody who can be engaging by himself for ten minutes at a time without any other voice and just making you think, I mean, that's the guy. Like I when I listen to somebody monologue, I want to be like, geez, I never thought of it that way. Or that was interesting, or um, you know, that's a unique angle. Not a not a hot take, just a unique and smart angle. And I think that Sports or news, I mean, I think Colin Coward is is the best in our business at doing that. And um, he doesn't he has he has some hot takes from here and there, but like he also has a lot of facts around it. His 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 research team does a really good job with uh with getting those to him. But you're right. I mean he he presents a good argument, even if you think he's nuts. He he yeah. he'll line it out correctly and whatever it is. And that's all you ask, right? Like, you know, I don't have to agree with your take, but, you, you know, give me the facts that you've got to back it up and, and, and back up the opinion. And that's, that's what he does, uh, really, I think, as well as anybody in our format. So I think he's done a great job, too, with radio, TV, the podcast side. I mean, seeing what's next for our business and our industry. And, and um, he is super talented on, on all of those things. So I, I really do admire what the guy's built professionally. Well, I'm glad he follows you, Pete, because – he can he can learn a few things too. You can always <laughs> your skills. Pete Mundo is with us. He's on Twitter at Pete Mundo. Pete, a couple of minutes left in this segment, and we'll go to our final segment of the show. Um, it's an election year. I mean, what has it been crazy for you? I mean, with with everything going on, you know, with everything with COVID, but also it is an election year. I feel like 
Um, we're just now starting, maybe we had a primary a few weeks ago here locally, but it, it doesn't seem to be as, it, it doesn't seem as covered as much, or maybe I'm not hearing about it as much as I thought I would as normally mm -hmm. we would like 2016. I mean, it was like nonstop you yeah. know, coverage on all the stations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like, I, to me, uh, I like the primary stuff, especially doing what we do. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's great to do the primary kind of, uh, you know, especially as a, as a show that caters to a right of center audience, the primary oftentimes where you get a lot of the drama, I mean, coming off an open U S Senate race and getting to do that in the Kansas side, uh, with Pat Roberts retirement. I mean, that was a lot of that fun. Big. That was big. There's a lot of candidates for you there. Yeah, a lot of candidates, a lot of airtime, a lot of opinions, a lot of drama. Anytime you get a guy like uh, Chris Kobach in a race, I mean, there's naturally going to be drama there that that uh, pulls out, you know, opinions from listeners and, and, and other guests and things like that. So to me, that was uh, a lot of fun. But you're right. Now you got the home stretch of a presidential race that is going to be um, as as whatever word you want to use, crazy as as anything else we've seen in recent memory. Uh, this is really when I think it gets fun. That's why I had to take a vacation last week, Jason, because, you know, between COVID and, and this primary season, it was freaking, it was crazy. <laughs> I love it, man. Pete Mundo is with us. We are coming back for our final set. We could have Pete on again at some point. Maybe we'll have him on uh, around the election, the, the actual general election, and talk more in-depthly. But we'll, we'll jump back in right there after the break. You're listening to the Grill Nation Show here on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the final segment of the Grill Nation show. Again, I am your host, Jason Grill, 980 AM, and on iTunes via podcast. I'm on Twitter at Jason Grill, and our website is grillnationshow.com. We've had a great show so far today, talking to Pete Mundo. He is on Twitter at Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O. He hosts a, a morning talk show on six from 6 to 10 a.m. on uh, 7, 10 a.m. and 103.7 FM in Kansas City. He was with Fox News and CBS Sports. He also owns a Big 12 blog, heartlandcollegesports.com. Pete, we were talking about the election coming up. Anything that we should be looking forward to or are, are watching out for in our local region as far as elections maybe that you know that could be kind of important or close or, or however you want to call it i know you've been covering this nonstop for the last three months yeah I, i'll give you um one on each side of the state line i think that on the kansas side the u.s senate race is is really interesting um you know barbara Ballier is trying to upset roger marshall who just won that primary and uh, the Democrats haven't had a, a Senate seat there in Kansas since 1932. So polling shows them, depending on what poll you look at, closer than you might expect within five points either way. So that's really interesting. A lot of people wanted Marshall to win that primary because they thought that Chris Kobach would be in danger of losing that race like he did the governor's race a couple of years ago. 
Um, so Marshall got over that hump, but Ballier could be in contention there. And then on the Missouri side of the state line, obviously you have a governor's race. It's not clear to me how close that's going to be for uh, Parson versus Galloway, just because with the president, top of the ticket, he won the state by 20 points. I, I just think he would drag Parson across the finish line no matter what. But a Jackson County prosecutor's race is pretty interesting, just with all the attention locally on uh, what's happening on the violent crime front in parts of Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Jean Peters Baker, who was the former chairwoman of the Missouri Democratic Party, is on the ballot against Tracy Chapel. It's not a race that's going to be getting a ton of attention necessarily. Jean Peters Baker is clearly a favorite to retain that seat, but we'll see. I'm hearing from a lot of people that are Republicans and Democrats who may have interest in, you know, seeing a new face in that seat, considering some of the issues that have taken place in that prosecutor's office. So uh, those are are two that I think are going to be very interesting. But the list, I mean, the list could go on and on. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, that is interesting. The the prosecutor's race. I, I, I personally, I hope that the uh, Jean Peters Baker has been around and I've heard her speak a handful of times. I know she was a state rep as well. So she has a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. You, um, uh, uh, trying to think here, Pete, I've got a lot of questions up. So what, what is a, uh, what is one of your favorite, uh, interviews you've ever done? Uh, whether it's with an athlete or a political person, uh, can you point to somebody that you really enjoyed having on your show first off? And second off, who is somebody that you've never had on or interviewed? that you'd love to talk to. Is there anyone that you can think of that, um, that if I had a magic wand that I could say, Hey, I'm going to call this guy. I know him or this gal or woman or male, who would that be and why? Oh, that's a great question, Jason. <laughs> uh, in terms of people I've enjoyed interviewing, um, Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, has been on a couple of times. And when there were rumblings that he was going to come back to Kansas and run, uh, we, you know, we made some news on the show with things that he had said at that time, and, and that got some attention for us and the show and the station. So that was always cool, knowing that you know, going to an interview, if you can get somebody to, to say something, because that's what you want to do, right? You don't want to do gotcha, but you want to get something out of them that uh, you know, the audience is like, wow, I'm glad I didn't miss that, right? Because that's what keeps them coming back. And we had a couple of those moments with Pompeo. And there were a couple of times where he got pissed at me, too. You know, I think I interviewed him back in January and I was asking him about something that was overseas that was semi-controversial that he was involved with. And he got a little pissed. And, uh, you know, but it was a good moment. I don't mind that. I mean, you know, I'm asking what I think are reasonable questions. Maybe he didn't expect them. But uh, that always stood out to me in terms of somebody that I would like to interview that that I haven't. I mean, I'll think of a. Geez, I'll give you a sports person and I'll give you a, a political person. I mean, I think it'd be really interesting from a politics perspective. Everybody who's in my chair wants to interview the president, whether you agree or disagree with them. I don't think it really matters. I just think that if you can get the president on your show from a credibility perspective, I mean, that is just that is so cool. And I would say that if Obama was in office, if Trump's in office, I don't care. If I can get the president, of the United States on the show, uh, that would just be fantastic. And then from a sports perspective, as a guy that grew up a Michael Jordan fan, um, you know, I watched that Bulls documentary that came out on ESPN during COVID that feels like a million years ago. But I, I thought it was good. It also left me lacking. I thought it was a little too pro Jordan. And I'm saying this as a Jordan guy. But I thought that there were some questions in there, some some um, sides of his story that I'd love to dig into more. And I'm sure he would never answer them. But if I could do an unfiltered interview with anybody on the sports side, it'd be my childhood idol and Michael Jordan. And then I would say uh, the president on the political side. 
Well, I have a feeling you'll probably get an interview with the president at some point. Uh, Michael Jordan, I think, would actually be tougher for you to get. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. The tougher of those two is definitely Michael Jordan. Which There's no doubt about that. You can say, but uh, yeah, I just saw a uh, an auction for a bottle of champagne for uh, 1991 from the championship that Jordan signed. A ball boy selling it. It's only. It's shockingly. It's twenty five hundred dollars right now. I thought it'd be like twenty five thousand dollars. Really. Yeah, so I might have to, you know, scrounge up some money and uh, <laughs> bid on that because I too remember those from our childhood days. Of, yeah. uh, I enjoyed that documentary a lot. It was it was it was really interesting to watch. As far as uh, COVID goes, I mean, have you guys been kind of you're back in the office now? I mean, have you mm-hmm. been? Is it back to normal? I mean, as far as working from home when we had that, I mean, I'm assuming mm-hmm. you had to deal with some of that at the beginning, and now you're you're back in the office. So we have, uh, you know, we've got seven stations up here and our music stations um, remain uh, work from home. We stayed here throughout it. Now we distanced and we had everybody in different studios, especially early on. Uh, Well, we continue to do that, but I just felt it was too difficult to do a a news talk show, right? Like I wanted to do it with the audio sound bites, with the callers, with the guests, knowing what was going on, being able to communicate properly uh, with our team here that I was basically like, is there any way we can stay up here as the news talk station? So we were able to, we did it safely. Um, we've done it well. We have nobody else really in the building right now, but uh, so really not much did change for us uh, on that end. And I'm glad it didn't because, you know, when you're doing a news talk show with the world seemingly coming to a, a pause here, like it did, especially in March and April, you don't want to be having any hiccups on the air. You want to be doing the best show you can. And um, I feel like we've, we've tried to do that four hours every day, you know, since this whole thing started back in March. Pete Mundo is my guest. We've got a minute left, Pete, in the show. Um, what's your best advice for somebody who wants to get into the journalist field? Um, I, I kind of have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but I'd like to hear it from your own mouth about, you know, best advice for those who still are uh, hoping to get into this, this world. I, you know, I would just say um, turn over every leaf that you can and and don't say no, uh, because you don't know where it's going to lead to. There are plenty of times when I can think of where it was like, eh, is this worth it? Is that worth it? I mean, it's always worth it because it's a who you know business. It's not a what you know business, especially as it continues to to shrink in some ways from at least a traditional perspective. Um, just talk to everybody, meet everybody, go do everything you can. And on top of that, uh, you know, the technology is, is as such where you can do your own podcast. You can get those reps, as we like to call them in the business, doing stuff on the air with a laptop and a $20 microphone that you couldn't do 20 years ago. I mean, that's that's changed the game. So I think that's uh, uh, really a chance for people to, to branch out there and, uh, you know, Get to know the business and get to know as many people as you can and just bust your butt and, and you know, hope that, that you get a couple of breaks because we all need a break at some point. We, we've all gotten them and we all need them. Pete Mundo on Twitter at Pete Mundo. Catch him on the radio 6 to 10 a.m. on 710 in Kansas City. He's got his Big 12 blog as well, heartlandcollegesports.com if you're into Big 12 football. Pete, thanks for coming on the show. A great follow on Twitter and uh, congrats on your success. Jason, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, Honor to be here and appreciate all that uh, you're doing for Kansas City. Thank you very much, Pete. You've been listening to the Grill Nation Show. Thanks for joining us again, and we'll see you next week. Take care.